This afternoon, I'm speaking with Kelly Bond. Kelly's from Kenmore Lodge down near Toowoomba, where they have a thoroughbred stud, breaking and racehorse training stable, a spelling farm, and lots of other things in between. Afternoon, Kel. How are you? I'm really well, Kay. Yourself? Yeah, well, thank you. Well, thank you. Let's um, start the story at the beginning for the life of horses for Kelly Bond. You grew up around horses all of your life. Both your mother and father were good horse people in their own right. So did that interest spark from you from when you were a tiny little tacker or did that happen as you got older? Look, I can remember being a little girl and, you know, getting up before breakfast and feeding horses and riding horses in the dark. And I can remember going to a shroom show. I think I was eight years old and I can remember practising and practising doing figure of eights and flying changes and I actually think I was champion local girl rider and got champion local pony and had to ride in a supreme hack ride off against all the good riders and I can, yeah, I can remember just couldn't even sleep, (laughs) you know, wanting to go, you know, to get that better and be as good as those, you know, the lady who got supreme rider and supreme hack of the show. So I can remember loving horses forever as long as I can remember. So your mum is a beautiful rider and, and been intrinsically involved in pony club all of her life and probably all of your life. Did you learn to ride through pony club? Did you go, to, obviously you went to pony club because your mother was a, a pony club instructor. Did you like that riding? Did your mum spend a heap of time with you at home? Or, you know, was it an ability that you think you probably inherited a bit of too? Yeah, we spent a lot of time as kids mustering cattle, obviously, and then um, plowed up areas at home for us to practice show riding, and she spent hours and hours on air riding. We didn't go to pony clubs so, so much because we lived an hour out of town. We had an old truck that we went in a bit, and we did do the local shows. We had a couple of good ponies that come from um, Broadmare and Troom. I won lots of champion pony hacks with that. I can remember mum actually broke them in for me and one of those ponies jumped out of the yard with a tackling on it at <laughs> Somerset where I grew up. So it's a pretty good effort. To, they ended up being really good ponies. But, yeah, we had no special horses back then. My grandfather gave me a stock horse mare when I was about 10, I think, and um, I ended up winning state titles jumping on her. I won an inter-school competition when I went to Glenny, but we had no special horses up fairly, you know, mum, everything she did with us, she did as well as we could with what we had. So, yes, we did do a fair bit of pony club, but, yeah, she concentrated mostly on our show riding and that till I was big enough to, you know, be strong enough, and I went in a few camp drafts, so I didn't set the world on fire early camp drafting by any means, and then on a few drafts, well, I think... I remember winning the first juvenile I ever went in at Cooley Downs and we broke down the horse float and I had to ride my mare about 10k home in the dark and I can still remember that. I run it off with Robbie Plant. It's probably the last draft I've ever run off with him and beat him. <laughs> he might think you're pretty stiff competition now though, Kel. All things come back. And so <laughs> from there, you know, when you left school, did you? what did you do after school? Was it? Look, I was both my... My sisters went to uni and were, well, I guess the long and short of it themselves was 
they applied themselves a lot better at school and I left school and went mastering and did a bit of starving and, you know, was not really doing anything great. Um, Cameron and I, we got married about 15, 14 years ago, something like that, and him and I um, lived on a grain and cattle property at Delaco and it was, you know, it was a good little place and it was a great place for us to start. But he was breaking in stock horses and... I was doing a bit of um, work at the feed lot and we were both, you know, well, I won an Australian title in 2008 or 2009, the same year he actually won the Australian bronc riding title and we both said, you know, we love horses but we've got to make this work. How do we make it work? And he had Cameron as a young, young when he left school, he got a job at the meatworks and he was riding track work for a bloke at Toowoomba and he was previously had been a foreman for Bart Cummings and he helped him a lot. And a lot of people helped Cameron, you know, early days. You know, Cameron's demeanour and like he endears himself to people and a lot of people have been extremely good to both of us and helped us. And we just, um, oh, we come up with an idea that we'd try and do some breeze up horses and we had absolutely no money. We put $10,000 that we scratched and scrambled with two friends in an account. And um, we bought a couple of $2,000 horses. This was the start of our racing interest. And um, the first horse we ever saw, like we got, got them ready and educated them for a breeze-up sale. So a breeze-up sale is a broken-in horse. It's not named, but it's like educated and ready to go into a race. And it appeals like we sold them through Magic Millions, and it predominantly appeals to Asian people, but we have sold some, you know, through the sale of Stayed in Australia and been highly successful. A couple of years ago, we sold a horse called Ty Zone, and, you know, he runs second in a Stradbroke, which is a Group 1 race, the second biggest race in Queensland, and I think he won, like, 14 of his first 16 starts, and he's been a great horse for us, and he did such stay in Australia, but a lot of these breeders up horses go overseas, so... Our first interest started with a couple of cheap horses that went through a breeze-up sale. They didn't set the world on fire, but we got a few dollars, and, you know, I think the dearest one made 26, and it cost us six, and the other one might have made 18, and we paid two. So we didn't break records, but it got a little bit of a bankroll going. And the second year, we paid 13000 for it, and that was the year of EI, and everything was doom and gloom, and... We took a horse to the sale and he breezed up superb. So that's their practice race they do. And it put onto a video and put onto the internet and, you know, broadcast all over the world. So anyone who's interested in it looked at it. And that horse went to Singapore and he made 180000 and topped the sale. I remember that. So that's where it all sort of started. You know, that horse really got us on our way. The racehorses, your dad trains racehorses in Rocky now. Had he always dabbled in that or is it just something he's he's got into later in life? Or Yeah, I can remember my parents having racehorses. You know, dad had sprint horses. Um, I can remember being the red coat at the Wandaan races and like I was that excited as a little girl. I couldn't sleep when the races <laughs> were going to be on because I'd get the red coat and lead the horses around behind the barriers and a filly we actually bred at Wandaan. When I was about 16 or 17, I reckon, she won a, they had a good race called a size produce that won down and she won that. And I can remember we broke her in and educated her and it was worth 20000 you know, 24 or 5 years ago, which was a lot of money back then. 
Yeah. So you sold your horse and you built a, a complex at Delacra and made your start there in the racing game. Is that your starting block? Yeah, Delacra was extremely good to us. Cameron and I, you know, we we only ever had a handful of mares there. We'd buy mares, go to Sydney and go wherever, and we'd slowly build our bank up where we could afford to buy mares in foal. When we're at Delacra, we didn't really so much join mares to stallions. We'd buy mares in foals and buy the pregnancies and keep the foals, and some of those mares have come on down here with us, but... We didn't have many mares out there. We, I think we probably had five or six mares that we started with out there. But we really breeze up. Got us going at the lacquer. We sold well the horse the second year when that horse made one hundred and eighty thousand. I think we had six horses at the sale, and they all, you know, made way more than we ever could have believed, and that really kicked us on. So, and we started to sell quite a few good horses. So it was a good starting point for us, and. You know, that allowed us to buy better mares. It allowed us to... It, we sort of outgrew the lacquer. We we didn't have enough country grain or cattle. We are never going to make a difference. And we had to say, right, oh, do we think that we can make it in the thoroughbred world or are we just kidding ourselves or we got to give it a red-hot go? So we um, packed up and, I look, the first six months were probably terrifying. And had I known what I know now about horses and thoroughbreds and everything, yeah, we are probably pretty, well, I can't believe we ever got through the first five years knowing what we knew, but we seemed to, and so many people were so good to us, and I guess you're um, forever indebted. Sorry, to get the horse to the breeze-up stage, does Cameron do all that work to the breeze-up? Yeah, Cameron does everything. Back in the Delacca days, Cameron used to do all the shoeing, break them in, give them the sprint-ups, and... Um, you know, we did a hundred percent. Now we have an on farm, you know, ferry that comes to the farm every week, and that's less than that load a bit. But yeah, pretty much Cameron's there. Well, he is every single day. A horse is educated for the breeze ups. He's part of it. Yeah. So you've moved now to Kenmore Lodge. Why, why did you choose that area? Oh, look, I just think it was. You know, we had built up a pretty good Queensland clientele to sell our yearlings to. We know most of the people in the last couple of years was been lucky enough to sell horses to likes of Gay and Peter Snowden and Moody and like we have got to know so many more people. But this move down here has allowed us, it's allowed us to sort of probably lift everything a fair fair level to what we were, would have ever been capable of doing at Delaca. Yeah. So let's go back and talk about Kelly Bond, the camp drafter. You are clearly an amazing horsewoman. You get on a horse once every six months and are always in the top ten, if not in the top two of those drafts. Do you love it? Is it something you just think, I can do it so I'll have a go at it? Or where does that part of your fun life sit with you? Oh, look, I miss camp drafting and I desperately envy those people who can give it 200%. And, you know, I... I am probably lucky that I feel like I know what a good camp horse should look like physically, the way they move, and, you know, that part probably helps me get to the little way I do get. But, yeah, look, I'd love to do it at a lot different level, but, you know, our lives, like maybe in another six or eight years, our thoroughbred interests will still slow down, I know. When we started this, I dreamed, Cameron and I used to lay there and say, geez, I'd love to be able to sell a yearling at 
magic means in January where all the good horses sold, well, we're lucky enough to sell 12 this year. So we've probably ticked a few boxes off and we only said not so long ago we've got a couple of young camp craft mares that we think are pretty special and I've got a, some good people in my family and a couple of outside people who help us get some horses going because obviously when you know our enterprise has got 30 to 40 race horses in the in work every day I don't get to ride a stock horse around cattle or cut out of you know my time doing that is a bit limited but I still get the draft you know I'll go to Warwick mostly and I went to Paradise a couple of years ago and hadn't had a run. You know, you feel like you're a bit rusty when you get there, but I have. I am lucky enough that I've got a few pretty good horses all the time. And I love the, you know, there's so many good people in camp drafting and I think it's so important for your kids to, you know, to be able to socialise with bush people and it's just something that we'll never grow out of. And Cameron and I, you know, when things slow down a bit, we hope to be able to go to a few drafts and enjoy it. You know, go on a trip and take a few horses. So we'll probably keep out, like, while it's toned down a lot, we've certainly got a handful of mares. We probably get to breed them to better horses now. We're in a position where we can afford to send good mares to good horses. And, well, we haven't got many, the level of horse, you know, I haven't got any Bentleys or Leons, but there's no reason why I couldn't have if I could give it some time. Um, and it broke the mould, Kel, when they made them. <laughs> So does Reese? Does he draft? Does he like the horses? Or he's been horsed to death since the day he took his first breath. So they're neither here nor there to him. Look, Reese is absolutely mad on building and engineering, and he's pretty complex brain. But um, look, he's never ever been pushed. We've got a mare called Special Destiny that's won a few open drafts. She's no world beater, but she's pretty decent. And, you know, Bondi can get on and win an open draft on her and Reese can get on her and he can barely get her out of a slow canter. And while he's not breaking any records, he's totally safe. So we think that's pretty good. Reese had his first ride on Bentley um, a week ago and Bentley thought he was 14 again and pig rooted in the air and Reese grabbed hold of him and he slid <laughs> about 20 foot and cantered off like nothing had ever happened. So um, we think Reese is strong enough and big enough now that he can have a go on a good horse and I'll do it, you know, in an environment where there's no pressure and no one looking. And if I think he's safe and capable, he'll get to have a few runs on some better horses. And if not, he definitely won't be put in a danger zone. But, yeah, he hasn't had a great interest in it until just recently. And um, even with the thoroughbreds of late, he's, been reading pedigrees to his father and he's always mad keen on getting up in the selling box. So while I say he's not madly interested on the horses, he has got a bit of an interest and we don't force it. Kel, you're renowned for your ability to know the history and the lineage of horses. You can look at a horse and say, that horse, it's by so-and-so, which was out of such-and-such that belonged to so-and-so. And I don't know many other people who can do it like you can. No, I think it just, you know, like obviously I, I probably get to judge as many drafts as I get to go to in the stock horse world. So that side of it has always been a real interest to me. And I love pedigrees and I probably, like my mother, you know, probably has an unbelievable mind. You know, I can remember being a little girl mustering and she telling me stories about horses, this lineage and that lineage. And so I probably got a bit of it from her, but... um. Oh, pedigrees interest me, why horses are structurally, you know, the result of their parents or, you know, why they look like they do physically. And and then, you know, I couldn't read a 
thoroughbred catalogue until Cameron taught me. So that hasn't been all my life. But yeah, I just, I love, you know, knowing a horse's pedigree and the families and yeah. This truly is something that you've got. Uh, I always say to Annalie, I wonder who that horse is. She said, I'll just send Kel a message. She'll know. <laughs> that would have to be handy in the racehorse world, I guess. Is is the racehorse industry a completely different industry, a uh, completely different horse environment, I guess, to to your camp drafting world? I'd put down 90% of what I know in the thoroughbred world has been the result of someone being good enough to teach me and... I guess, you know, we, were, we weren't shy, we knew nothing, so we, you know, it was sink or survive, and I've never, you know, no one likes doing things and not succeeding at them, and me especially. Um, but no, there's just so many good people in the thoroughbred world, like so many, you know, people are willing to offer offer their opinion. And, uh, I mean, early days, Kay Cameron and I had to be 100% hands-on, you know, every single horse. Like when Reese was a little baby, he was he was in a pram in a spare stable, and you know I t- I can remember um, trading a horse for um, uh, I think it was James Cummings when he was first starting at Darley, mm. and uh, yeah, the horse knocked my hat off at the other end of the parade when I think, and you know he jogged down and handed me my hat, <laughs> and I thought you know you're a pretty decent human. Like he was there in a group of twenty people, and yeah, uh, you know everyone knows Moody's normal, but he'll always come and have a yarn to at the sales and sit down and yeah, there's plenty of really good people in racing and we'll be forever indebted to it. You know, how lucky are we? Not that many people like us get to start from ground zero and, you know, build up to what we're lucky and, you know, we own 30 pretty decent mares and yeah. And so the horses, are they, you know, a lot of people say, oh, they're mad racehorses, mad racehorses are regarded, but do you think they're like that or do you think it's the people that make them like that? Look, it's the manner in which, you know, they're bred to race, but we actually bred a foal this year and he was a black horse and he was a bit smaller than I'd wanted for a racehorse. But physically there was everything I loved about him for a camp horse. And he had a pedigree that I thought would have been ideal to be a stock or sire. Hmm. And it was actually a little bit humbling that when the hammer fell on him at Sydney this year, I led him back and Cameron said, Monty Roberts bought that horse. Oh, really? And, you know, like for two years since he was a little foal, I said, this is a horse we should be keeping and breeding stock horses by physically, pedigree-wise, everything. I thought he was a horse that if I you know, wanted to try with a thoroughbred stallion, he was it. And, you know, Monty Roberts was buying him for a racehorse, but I know that he's got a background in riding horses because I work for Greg Ward in America. And um, yeah, he his horse that he had in his shows was from Greg Ward. So, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Most of the good ones aren't mad. Last year, um, the filly that won the Oaks, a filly called Winning Ways, I can remember when Cameron broke her in, the old bloke who owned her, he was here and he said, Cameron, what do you think of this filly? And he said, she has got the absolute V8 motor that feels like she'd win a race tomorrow with the brain of a stayer. Well, she won a Group 1 Oak, so, you know, she turned out to be a good one. No, they've got to have a big motor, but they've got to have a, you know, I think they've got to have a, the mentality to be able to process the pressure. Do you ride many of them yourself? No, I only have a ride on them if I think they're going to be top horses and then I say I've ridden them once. 
<laughs> that's, that's all you need to do. Yeah, I rode that no. horse. <laughs> Cameron, Cameron would break in, I would say, close to 100, 120 horses here every year. So all the accolades in the riding department go to him, not me. <laughs> Jeez, that is some effort. Is there anything mm. else you'd like to add? Cameron and I feel so blessed that we, you know, have got to create the dream for us. And, you know, any kids that probably aren't the greatest intellects or something but are willing to give it a red-hot try, um, you know, we're always happy to take on kids that are interested in careers in this field. And so many of those good studs and that offer scholarships and, you know, there's just so much opportunity in the thoroughbred world. Many kids that are interested, you know, we're usually more than happy to take someone on. I'm sure there's be plenty out there to take you up on the opportunity and we look forward to talking to you again and we wish you many more successful Magic Millions sales and sales beyond. Talk to you soon, Kel. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. From the Saddle is brought to you by Hewitt Consulting and Communications, specialising in rural business and marketing design. Find them on Facebook and Instagram.